Well, welcome. Welcome to what we're calling the Transformation Trek. It's um, an exploration, a journey through the ways of Jesus. Uh, a monthly journey, if you want to run at that pace. That's how we're, we're releasing these videos. But um, the aim of this, and I guess the point of this is, although this is digital, although this is brought to you online, we hope that this builds community wherever you are, that you can find two or three people and journey each month, month through these practices. Essentially practicing the practices, walking in the ways of Jesus, wrestling with it, uh, delving into the word and each other's lives, and ultimately um, growing in your discipleship or your apprenticeship or your studenthood to Jesus. And so that's the desire of this uh, series. The other thing is, and a quick disclaimer, and this is on most of our videos um, around these practices, but I do want to be clear. These practices are not some way to earn God's love. The practices we're going to explore are not some way to earn his favor. They're not some way to manifest out of the universe. They're not some way for God to draw closer to us. He has already completed that work. Through Jesus, he's already reconciled us back to the Father. The path is already being made. The table is already set. The seat is already yours if you want it at the table. These practices are more for us. They're more that we can notice what he's doing, that we can be more present with his available presence, that we can see what he's doing in the world, that we can be active participants. And so we practice the ways of Jesus. And this month's practice I want to have a look at is the practice of prayer, calling it transformative prayer. And why have I given it a little <laughs> adjective um, well, the reason is because prayer cannot be summed up in one or two or probably a <laughs> hundred videos. Prayer is so wide. Um, it, it means so many things to so many people, and it's done in so many ways through the Bible and in people's lives. What do I mean by this? Well, let me give you some of the more obvious ways people pray. Uh, we have the emergency the emergency button or break this glass in case of emergency type prayer. I remember a couple of years ago, um, a friend of mine who has no interest, well, yet, <laughs> no interest in exploring Jesus, um, broke up with his girlfriend. And in a moment of probably depression, in a moment of not, not knowing where to turn to or who to turn to, he texted me and said, can you pray for me? Never had heard those type of words come out of this guy's mouth. And they haven't since. Um, but in this moment, he had nowhere else to turn to. This is a very common way people pray. When there's nothing else that can do, of course, they go to something that is outside of it all, God. And so there was an emergency type prayer. We've done this before, Christian or non-Christian believer or non-believer, follower of Jesus or not. There's this last, like, desperation prayer. Break this glass in case of emergency. Then there's probably the more common one, the shopping list prayer. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh God, I don't really have time to spend with you today, but let me just tell you all the things I'd really like. And um, not an evil prayer. God says bring everything to him. So it's okay. He's all right. He, um, like a father listening to his kid ask that they want a chocolate at the shopping center, or for us, it's probably something bigger <laughs> than that, than a chocolate at the shopping center. But the shopping list prayer is maybe a common way that you pray. Then there's a therapeutic uh, 
prayer, I've called it. I don't know that's the best way to say it, but for some people, prayer is verbally processing, praying and working things out either with ourselves and God. As we pray, we're processing. Maybe it's an event, a day. As we're giving it to God, we're also running through it. It's kind of a reflection exercise. It's therapeutic. Um, It can be uh, like a conversation with a counsellor. Or a deep friendship is developed as we therapeutically just talk and process with God, which is good. Again, these are not none of these are bad ways to pray. They're just different ways. Uh, even um, I guess even Jesus, as a great example of his therapeutic prayer, maybe is this when he says, "Take this cup from me, Lord," um, just before he's about to go to the cross. Jesus knows there's no other way. Than, than the road to the cross. But in a almost, well, one, discipleship for those that are there listening to the way he prays. But two, it's almost a, this is heavy, God. I want you to know that. Here's how it's going it, to, this is really heavy. I know you know that. I know it's got to play out, but take this cup. It's therapeutic in a sense. It's giving, yeah, it's speaking it out loud and people there are able to pray and join in. So yeah, again, these are just ways that we communicate with God. Um, again, talking to God is not a bad thing and, any, and, and he can handle anything we bring to him. One of the most probably dangerous postures that sometimes we bring to God is like a genie in a bottle. The least favorite way, I think, or posture to have as I reflect on the way the Bible talks about prayer. It's kind of, it's nothing wrong with going to God with your dreams, nothing wrong with communicating your dreams and I guess wishes to God or what you'd like to see your life become and who you would like to become and what you'd like for your family. But I think it's a bit of a warning to be careful as we begin this series um, to not form yourself around the idea that God is your butler or your genie, that he's there like an ATM machine, put in the right numbers and you can get out of him what you want. Um, it's not what this series is about. In fact, I want to kind of encapsulate all of those, and this is why I want to talk about transformative prayer. See, prayer changes you. Prayer changes the way you see God and the way you work in the world. And so while all those prayer types are valid, I want to talk about prayer that changes you. After all, this is the transformation trek. And so let let me explain with a picture. There's a picture on your screen right now, and I want you to, without giving it too much thought, Tell me what stands out to you. Cool. Most of you will say that little black dot. (laughs) And it's a simple exercise. But I do wonder why all the other blue dots don't stand out to you. I mean, there's more of them. They're dots as well. They're on the screen. But no, obviously, our eyes are drawn to the black dot. Um, And how often... Can our life be like that? How often does life operate like that? Uh, what do I mean is how often can you have the best day? How often can heaps that you wake up, you've had a great sleep, I don't know, um, great coffee in the morning, life's good, the bus is on time, all the good stuff, all the blue dots in your life line up. But then one person says something really negative about you in the staff room or your boss gives you a poor review on something or is unhappy or you have a disagreement with your partner or one of your kids 
mucks up and really gets under your skin. I don't know what it looks like for you, but all of a sudden your day is the worst day ever. <laughs> it's the black dot. Forget all the blue dots that lined up. You got to work safely. Your car ran. You have a car. You have breath in your lungs. The sky was blue. I don't know. All the blue dots. But we concentrate on the one black dot. Uh, it can ruin a week. It can be a great week. And then one thing. Oh, that was the worst week ever. And this actually, it's funny how this, this thing can actually affect the whole way we see our week. These events can sit, make transform our whole mind to the way we see our whole life. And Romans 12, 2 agrees with exactly this. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And by the testing, you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. Or as science has backed up 2,000 years later after this verse, Neuroscience tells us that we create these pathways in our mind. That what we focus on, that what we tell ourselves every day actually affects the way we think and it actually increases. And the best way I can, and being not a neuroscientist, can explain this is we have all these laneways, back, <laughs> back small bicycle lanes in our head. But the more we concentrate on something, say it's that black dot, say it's that bad thing that happened that week, or that addiction, or that vice, the more we go to it, that neuropathway, or as Roman says, those patterns widen and it becomes a super eight-lane highway. It becomes easier for us to see the world in a black dot kind of way and becomes harder to see the world in all the blue dots it has for us. It's literally the lens we start to see the world in. And this is exactly what leads into transformative prayer as a practice. Prayer that we want to explore that changes your view of the world, that builds some healthy neuropathways, some healthy spiritual insight, and maybe sees more of the blue dots than just the little black ones in our life. This is the exact reason that when the disciples see Jesus pray, when his students are watching him pray, they come up to him and they actually say, well, they don't say, can you give us magic words? Um, they don't say, teach us what to pray, interesting enough, because they're good Jewish boys. They know how to pray. Well, they know what to pray, I should say. They know the prayer list. They know the, the right words. They know where to do it. They know what to say. That's not what they see in Jesus, and that's not even what they ask. It's why they come up to him instead and see the way he moves in the world, see his deeper connection, to the Father, see his love, his forgiveness, how he sees the world. And they say, it's why the disciples say, Jesus, teach us how to pray. We see both in the gospel, Luke and Matthew, disciples asking Jesus, teach us how to pray like you pray. Teach us how to see the world like you see the world. Teach us to see through the lens that you obviously operate through Jesus. Teach us to have a prayer that is transformative, that shows your view of the world. And he does. He gives them this. Luke 11, 1 to 5. This is his response when they say, teach us how to pray. You may have heard this before. I joke, you've probably heard this before, whether you've stumbled across this, whether you go to church, whatever your background, you've definitely heard this. Luke 11, 1 to 5, let me read. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. 
Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Jesus teaches them how to pray, how he sees the world. This is not a recipe. This is not a magic formula, but a transformative way that Jesus orders and sees the world. A transformative posture and prayer which I'd love to break down into two halves, hence why there's two parts to this teaching on transformative prayer. First half I've called, just titled, The Good Father. And the second half, well, we'll get to that in the second half. (laughs) So in this first half of the prayer, Jesus wants you to know something. Jesus wants us to be reminded of something every time we pray this prayer and see the world. Jesus wants us to put on these lenses every time we pray this prayer. And this is that God is good. Here's how he opens it, Luke 11, 5 to 11. This is what he says just after the Lord's Prayer, actually, in Luke. He says, Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me, the door is already locked. And my children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will, he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship. Yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. <laughs> so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be open. Talking a lot about receiving and giving, and this is what Jesus is teaching, but there is a greater thing he wants you to know. This is why he repeats in 11. Listen to this. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for fish, you give him a snake instead? If he asks for egg, you will give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, broken, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Lots in that. Lots about the way God operates. But Jesus clearly wants you to know something. Jesus clearly wants his disciples to know in this first part something really important, and that is God is good. God is good. God gives good things. God is good. Even your neighbor who wake up at midnight will at least give you some bread. Even your father, good or bad, will likely not give you a will give you an egg if you ask, not a, not a scorpion. Even he will. So Jesus is saying, think how good your heavenly father is. He is good. He is a good God. And this is a simple but profound thought. And we can see the way we view the world and why this is so important. I mean, how often do we hear, why does God let bad things happen? The little black dots. Scarcely do I hear people ask, why does God let all the good things happen? (laughs) Barely ever get someone, as as a church pastor myself, I barely ever hear someone come up to me and say, can you explain why God does all these good things in my life? (laughs) God is good. He gives so much good. God is good. And this is what Jesus wants you to know. And this is why he starts the Lord's Prayer again with this. He says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I've called this line, He wants you to know about a better God from a better place. Let me say that again. 
Jesus wants you to know in the Lord's Prayer that you have a better God from a better place. Our Father in heaven, holy be your name, hallowed be your name. Jesus wants you to know that God is not your earthly father, whether that's a good thing or bad thing, whether your earthly father was a great man or he was abusive and he was a horrible or distant father. Either way, God is better. God is a good father. He is holy. Jesus wants you to know and be reminded that when you pray this, it's saying that compared to all the other gods, compared to all the other things we try to fill our life with, we try to look for, we try to pursue, God is better. God is holy. And he comes from a better place. Why is that important? Well, the Jewish people had understood heaven, obviously, as up and the sky and the heavens, but they also understood heaven as close. This isn't a distance thing. When it says uh, a heavenly father, it's not saying a father that is way distant. It's saying a God that is from somewhere else that is good. And that's so important because how many more, and as we, as we look at our world, how many more politicians do we need to see that are broken and not from a better place? Just the same thing wrapped up in a different brand or different slogan. How many church leaders do we need to see before we realize they're all broken? Including myself, we're all broken. No one should be putting their faith in me as their savior. <laughs> they're gonna have a bad time. We're broken. We make mistakes. God is not broken. God is better than us. He is the good God. And he comes from a better place. He brings with him a better place. He's not from around here. This is good news to remind ourselves daily as we pray transformative prayer over our life and into our life as we look out each morning and go, the God that we rest in is a good God. Just think about the way we face things in our life. When we face those black dots we see, those hardships, life can be really difficult. Know the security and rest that it gets developed in us through this type of prayer, knowing that above it all, God is good. Eternally, God is good. He's doing something here. And eternally, even if we don't know how on earth he will pull it off, he's going to bring it to completion. He is good. This is a very non-anxious way to live. This is a very restful way to live. God is good. He is holy. Holy is his name. What a transformative idea to let into your life. It's going to work out okay. This season transforms the way we see eternal life. Knowing that the guy that holds the keys to our eternal life is good. I hope that brings you rest, that thought transformative eh? it's, it's it's changing the way we see the world when we know that we're operating that we have the security net of a good god from a different better place and so let's keep going because jesus wants you to know this is why he starts this prayer this way your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven matthew 6 5 to 14 your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven jesus wants you to know second line in 
He wants us to live in this, that he is the king of the kingdom. Just in case we're confused, just in case we pray and we realize God's good, but we wonder if he's way out there on the other side of the universe creating another world, or he just doesn't care, or he's not active now, or he's dead, as, as people have proclaimed, he's, he's disappeared, all of that, just in case we're not sure if he's, he could be a good God, but not very active, could have stepped back. Jesus is like, no, 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 second line in, let's make sure your worldview, this is how I order the world, this is how I see the world, Jesus says, that it's his kingdom. He's not leaving his kingdom because he is the king. God is not the God from a good place, but creating another good place somewhere else in your universe. He's actually unfolding a plan here now. He is active. We see right through the Bible of this unfolding, growing plan with humanity. He's actually Lord here. This is actually his kingdom. This is a way of being. This is a transformative prayer. This is a way of building. This is a way of acting and seeing through this lens and seeing the world about a God that is bringing that goodness and good place into our lives and ultimately into our world. This means our prayer, our transformative prayer is not, not uh, we are good, let our wills be done in our lives as it is in our heads. <laughs> this is your will be done, God. You're the king of this kingdom. You're the good God from a better place. What a unique way to exist in the world. It's funny, on one half, this takes a bit of surrender. For some of us, this will be hard to pray a transformative prayer that says, God, I'm not in charge. You're the king here. <laughs> that takes surrender. But on the flip side, what a peaceful way to live. I don't know, as my small existence on this world as a, and as a church pastor, with so many decisions to make sometimes, even in my small church, I more and more learn each day, I'm so thankful that I'm not in charge of the planet. <laughs> As someone who prayerfully tries to lead a Christian community, I'm so glad God's the king of this kingdom. Oh, and I'm thankful for you that he's the king of this kingdom. It's not on me. It's not on you. You're not bringing your kingdom. You're not bringing your empire. What a restful way to live. To surrender, yes, that's hard. Because there's ego and there's wanting to do things in our way. But once you surrender it, what a transformative way to live to go, hey, it's your kingdom, God. I just get to participate with you. <sighs> it's good. I have comfort in this, that God has accounted for my mistakes and it's his plan and it's his kingdom. And then the last bit of this part that I just want to discuss is kind of the middle point of this prayer and it starts moving into this next part. But first of all, it's Matthew 6 again. I'm going 5.14, going through the Matthew version of this prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. So after he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Love this. What a great way to sum up this part today. Because think about give us our daily bread. What does that do? Just what a profound line when you think about what that actually does in here, what that actually changes in here. 
Yes, it says, give me what I need, not what I want. So yes, it says, God, keep providing what I need, not what I want. But it also, these younger students listening to Jesus pray would have referenced another event in their life. They would have thought about their ancestors in the desert in Exodus, getting waking up to what was called manna on the ground. It instantly refers to God's ongoing provision for their people. So yes, this is a prayer of wanting something, but it's also a prayer of gratitude. It's a remembrance. Hey, yes, God, keep giving me my daily food. Keep providing for me, God. But hang on a second. I'm 30-something right now, still alive. I've eaten. I'm living. You've been providing this whole time. It's a continue, please, God, being the good God, being the provider. Thank you. And, and look, I get, as you say that, you're like, hey, hang on, Steve, but there's moments that I haven't had my daily bread. I have struggled. We look across the world, there's people struggling all across the world. I get that. And that's another whole topic for another time. But I will say this, majority, if not all, the people that are struggling across the world, and, in, and even in our own setting, it often comes down to a distribution issue, a greed issue, or an addiction issue. The trees, it's not that the trees don't grow fruit. It's not that the rain can't be, that falls from the sky can't be drank. It's not that the earth doesn't have everything it needs. It isn't that God has provided a planet that literally our food grows on trees. It's usually when man doesn't steward that. All of us. It's usually when man loves their storehouses and they overwork the land and manipulate the markets. And it's normally when we find other distractions and other things that we, and poorly steward these things that can lead to seasons where we are pressed, where we are hungry, where we are lost. That does not take away from the fact that this whole thing, this whole world is set up in a way to provide and that you're still here, you're watching this video, God is still bringing his kingdom, and up until here, you're still alive. He's still provided. Not to mention eternally, he will provide. He will fulfill. This is a prayer of gratitude as well as a bit of that shopping list. How's that? God will provide. God will come through both now and eternally. In fact, Jesus referred to himself as the bread of life. So deeper than even our stomachs is that God is the ultimate provision in Jesus. That he gave his life so that we have an eternal security, eternal gratitude, an eternal way to live through the bread of life in Jesus. This is the transformative power of prayer. This is how we order our world. This is the lens that Jesus wanted to teach his students on how to see the world. And his first thing was that, guys, God is good. You better remember that. He's from a better place. He's bringing his kingdom. He's an active good God and he has provided and he will continue to provide. Imagine the way you'll see the world if that becomes your practice. 
If every chance you got, you reminded yourself, you had a pattern or practice of reminding yourself that he is good, he is active, and he is providing. Imagine if that's the dot you look at each morning. Seriously, not your neighbor's house and go, gee, I could have more. Not the promotion someone at work got and going, oh, why didn't I get that? Gee, this life's not unfair. (laughs) I could have more. Life's unfair. Or how annoying the weather is. Life's annoying. Life's unfair. I don't get anything I want. You know, if you run those patterns, that creates a very anxious, ridden, very depressed, very angry society. So it kind of makes sense that that's exactly what we live in at the moment. Everyone trying to divide. Everyone trying to just get ahead. Hustle. (laughs) There's a different way to be. There's a different thing to remind yourself each morning that God is good. He's bringing his kingdom and he will provide. Imagine who you would become praying that transformative prayer. Changing the way you see the neuro pathways Imagine who you'd become. Imagine the lack of anxiety. (laughs) The anxiety would go. Imagine how patient you would become, more loving. You'd become a more peaceful person. This is what we want. This is the whole point of this series, for you to wrestle this out, for you to practice and work out a way, a rhythm of transformative prayer. So where do we go from here? Well, check out your practice guide that's attached to this has a lot of more information, has a lot of things around the practice and some questions. Um, But let me add one more um, kind of challenge for you this this week is find someone to pray with. If you don't already have a community, people to wrestle this practice out with, find one person that you can ring up and say, I'd like to meet up with you and pray. Or maybe you're already meeting up with them, but add prayer into your rhythm with them. You're grabbing a coffee. Yes, it might be awkward at first. Especially if they're a Christian or church person, this will be a lot easier. But either way, say, can I pray? Can we just, or, or can we just give thanks? Can I give thanks for you, your friendship, and this coffee we're drinking? Just try and see what it does and journal what it does and discuss what it does to you as you pick up this practice. Hey, thanks for joining me. Um, comment below on how this works for you if you're watching this on a place that you can comment or share this around. And let's discuss this practice of part one transformative prayer. See you next time.